This is the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. An experience in terror to make you believe in the unbelievable. Boils and ghouls, lock your doors and strap yourselves in. From Los Angeles, California, Bloody Disgusting presents the Boo Crew Podcast. Horror news, commentary, reviews, interviews, and more. With your hosts, Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. I'm Leo. I'm Lauren. I'm Trevor. And welcome to your Boo Crew Podcast, episode 371. We're so sorry. We've been gone for a while. We didn't put out the episode uh, on time this week. Well, yeah, there was lots of birthday action. Yeah, it was not Leo's fault. Just to no. get it straight, it was, it was strictly on the Lauren and Trevor side. A thousand birthdays. Feels like it. Everybody's birthday in this house is this week. Not everybody's. Three out of six? Yes. That's pretty good. Leo, how are you doing, man? When you're doing the math, I'm like, just laughing here. I'm like, three out of six? What did I miss? Half it's just been a week, man. Yeah. Uh, we've been celebrating, caking, and uh, oh, we went to the melting pot. Ooh, that's really fun. Yeah. Leo, when was the last time you went to a melting pot? Never. Never ever? I've never been. That's like the melty cheese place, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, not just melting cheese. Uh, that you can get your chicken and steak or whatever melted in, in a nice broth. Or you can have vegetables. You can have vegetables, and cheese is part of it. That's how they start it. They, well, actually, no. They start it with a nice salad, yes. chopped up eggs, and they give you that this uh, jug of powder that you can pour over everything that you're about to eat, except the chocolate. That would be whack. But it's like uh, a garlicky kind of powder, right? Yeah. Dump that shit all over your salad. Dump it all over your chicken, whatever you have, your steak, whatever. So good. But yeah, then you fought with the cheese, and then you do the the, the broth, right? We did the coco vey, little grilled chicken. And then we had dessert. Yes, the yin and yang, white and dark chocolate mixed in a swirl, and they just bring out marshmallows, and, and yeah, we went crazy. Strawberries, so bananas. Yeah. Most of them are closed That's down. There's amazing. not that many of them. There's not many of them left. The one There used to be one out in Pasadena, and now the only one that I know of, even close in the area, is... Torrance Westlake Thousand Oaks I think the Torrance one oh. closed Torrance one closed too oh, it did I think so yeah. Oh no They were across the street from Lucille's I remember yeah, That's right That's right were. Shout out Lucille's <laughs> Jim's favorite That's right Jim's favorite restaurant of Jim You put that outside On the yeah. sign That's hilarious <laughs> So anyway, so sorry you listening. I mean, if, if you really care. Do you think anybody cares that we didn't release on time no. this week? I really doubt it. I really nobody doubt lost it. sleep over no, that. No, nobody did. Nobody did. But that's that's oh, why. You wait. Yeah. You wait. You wait for the feedback. <laughs> yeah. Crickets. That's the feedback. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we're just going to crash into new and streaming in theaters. So Hugh Sarah, the bone woman, is on VOD now. A woman who is pregnant with her first child is cursed by an evil entity. A group of witches might be her only hope of salvation. It's written and directed by Michelle Garza Cervera, co-written by Abia Castillo. In limited theaters, you can find She Came From the Woods with Death Himself, William Sadler, also along for the ride, Claire Foley and Spencer List. A group of counselors accidentally unleash an ancient spirit on the last night of summer camp. Blink and you missed it. Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey had its one night only theatrical debut on the 15th. Pooh and Piglet go on a rampage after being being abandoned by Christopher Robin, who leaves them to go off to college. I wanted them to make like a promotional honeypot that was like 
slime, but it looked like blood. Ooh. I thought that'd be really cool. That's a, yeah, you should work for the Winnie the Pooh and Tigger Foundation. <laughs> this insanity is written and directed by Reese Frake Waterfield, shot in 10 days in England, really close to the real life inspiration for the 100 Acre Woods. There's already a sequel planned for this thing, and stay tuned on when you can watch it on VOD. Robbie Banfitch's The Outwaters has been enjoying a limited theatrical run. Well, as of today, at time of release, if you haven't managed to catch it, it's coming home. It tells the story of memory cards unearthed in the Mojave Desert after a group of friends go there to film a music video. It is best watched in the dark with the sound way up. It'll promptly scare the living shit out of you and significantly mess with your head. This is a personal Abu Crew guarantee. On Tuesday, February 21st, don't miss this one, described as Midsommar meets Stand By Me. Wow. That is quite the tagline. It's the long, dark trail. Two teen brothers flee from their abusive father in search of their estranged mother to find that she has become the member of a cult written and directed by Kevin Ignatius and Nick Sinakis. Arriving on Blu-ray that same day, The Retaliators. An insane movie directed by and starring Michael Lombardi, also directing Samuel Gonzalez Jr. and Bridget Smith. Rock and metal cameos like you wouldn't believe in this one. Jacoby from Papa Roach, Ice Nine Kills, Spencer Charnas, Tommy Lee, the Five Finger Death Punch guys. The list goes on. This is a super unpredictable movie. Some awesome surprises in store for you. A tale of revenge and we won't go into it because it's all the right for you to discover as it unfolds in front of you and will blow your mind. Uh, Boo Crew episode 346 to hear our exclusive combo with Michael Lombardi and Spencer Charnis for more. Which brings us to what's new in horror. I can think of a few things that happened over Super Bowl weekend. Shot down a bunch of UFOs. Oh, that's right. Yes. Were those UFOs though? They've kind of been... I guess debunked sort of like there was a Biden did a little bit of a speech today. Oh, he did. And just kind of said that, you know, they're not extraterrestrial. Damn it. Right. Right. Leo. That's kind of what they said. He he apologized for uh, shooting down Scarlet's science project balloon. Yeah. Yeah. All the birthday balloons. That's what's been happening. All the fucking birthday balloons around here soaring to the sky. It's like all our, uh, you know, or, her uh, bunny she raised selling cookies went to the balloon and it's like I shot down by a $500,000 missile. Right, exactly. That's the thing, right? Each of these, they were shooting these things down with these missiles, these $400,000 Sidewinder missiles. Why the hell are they that expensive? (laughs) It's taxpayer money, right? They can't make cheaper ones? That's like someone's house. Or like a bullet or something. Sophisticated. You know? Not a a bullet, not a giant needle. Just, just no, hit, no. run the plane into the fucking balloon. Well, I guess these weren't balloons, right? They said that these yeah. other things they discovered. That, so the the there was three shot down. There was the the weather balloon or the alleged weather balloon that they think is a spy balloon. That was the, I think the week prior. And then there was three shot down over Super Bowl weekend, including that octagon shaped one that they saw over Lake Huron, which took two missiles, a million dollar shot. Oh my gosh, that makes me yeah. sick. And then there's one over in northeastern Alaska on Friday, and then one in the Yukon Territory on Sunday. And then one was sighted, uh, allegedly, in China, and another one, allegedly, in Uruguay, all that weekend. Wow, Crazy. I really was rooting for the aliens. Well, we were, we were actually, uh, 
for a moment there, a little panicked. I honestly thought that, shit, like, this could be it. And then I was thinking, shit, they shot one out of the sky. The mothership's going to come down, and we're going to wake up the day after with, like, a hundred spaceships floating outside. Can you imagine what a sight that would be, though? Wow. That would be crazy. (sighs) Yeah. Damn. What they're saying, though is that the reason they're able to see whatever is flying around out there is that they altered the radar detection systems on all these planes and stuff. Interesting. That was the technical and stuff. Leo, you're a scientist. Do you have any other information on on what they're seeing and why? Anything you've been reading? Uh, Here's what I'm interested. They um, They had a Senate meeting, right? Behind closed doors. And a couple of them came out and said... You know what we just heard? It's like 95% they could tell you what's going on, but there's a 5% that is classified. And I'm like, well, what the hell? If if it's nothing to worry about, then why is that 5%, you know, like, hey, we can't talk about it publicly, you know? Yeah, it's so strange, man. And one of them was the size of a car. Yeah, and I'm like, what is octagon shaped? Yeah, with, not a balloon. with strings or something hanging, tendrils yeah, with, hanging off of it, basically. Yeah. Yeah. How is it, you know, so I don't know. There's, there, there's a mystery. There's a lot of speculation as to they either know what it is or it's somebody's science project and we just kind of ruined their, you know, whatever, you know, whatever company was doing something or experiment. I mean, who knows? I mean, but it's just weird that they just don't come out and say, yeah, this company was screw- screwing around and we caught them, you know? Yeah. But... I don't know. It's, it's, it's a mystery, and it's going to keep being a mystery until, you know, we see actually photos, you know? Yeah. We were, Lauren and I were talking about, like, hey, like, Jeremy Corbell, previous Boo Crew guest in front of the show, Jeremy Corbell, we were wondering, like, what? And, and extremely prolific ufologist. He's, like, the tippy top in the world on this subject. And we were wondering, what is Jeremy saying? And I ended up finding a recent CNN interview that he did, and he was telling them about, and he showed a picture of the Mosul orb that they yeah. captured. The military captured this silver orb flying over northern Iraq. And they're actually yep. still studying that orb now. The military is actively, the U.S. military is actively discovering that because it was over a conflict zone. Fascinating. Oh, yep. I'll look that up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very, very, very cool and creepy and yeah i'm i'm i don't know if if these and if you know what if they find out i'm just curious if this is what they're seeing whatever they shot down is the same as the tic tac ufo and these other things that have been seen previously by the military or if this is a totally different thing it's different because the tic tac they could barely focus on it because it was moving so fast yeah it was yeah you're right it was maneuvering like weird. crazy yeah it yeah that i think that was something different and then didn't go into the ocean i believe so yeah they, like they just, saw a splash by it and everything yeah. yeah 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 that that seems different yeah it does seem different so and you, like you figure like balloon, all the, you know what were you saying leo oh no i was just thinking you know if it's a balloon not a balloon whatever like that, that doesn't interest me but when these pilots say hey this thing just disappeared or just went faster than I can't even describe when the wind's 200 miles an hour up there, you know, that's, that's what, that's what piques my interest. You know, it's like, 
the fighter just using so much fuel to go against the wind and these things are moving like nothing like just a knife through hot butter just like left right up down disappear eighty thousand feet down to the bottom of the ocean and then you're like what can do that it's crazy yeah that's that's what keeps me up at night yeah there was a i forget the name of the guy we were watching all that day like it was like super ufo weekend we were watching that uh joe rogan had a former military pilot on it he was talking about that like coming in contact with these things like every day during training and they would literally like have the uh, the technology, whatever these things were, to actually stop in midair and stay completely still. Yeah. Before doing maneuvers like they call the racetrack maneuver, like something that would, you know, fly normally uh, by a piloted ship the way that something would steer and kind of arc around you know they go in a straight line and then arc around to to loop to make a loop and doing these these basically kind of typical aerial maneuvers but then being able to do completely atypical things and to me that is not describing what we saw shot down at least you know nothing that the pilots were saying mimicked that and i think that if these things were what has been seen all these years all these years pilots have tried to engage these things that they've seen never been successful and it seemed very easy to shoot whatever these things were down with zero problem at all so i'm thinking you know unfortunately or fortunately however you look at it yeah i don't think these are these these don't sound extraterrestrial but you know don't take it from us very interesting all the same yeah very interesting definitely yeah and our super bowl is auctions we love watching, as most people love watching a football game. We love watching entertainment memorabilia auctions. We put it on our TV. They stream to your computer. You can watch them live on your television. Do the stream thing, right? Yeah. And there's one happening now. And this is, this is really amazing opportunities to bid on and own items from your favorite TV and film projects, horror, sci-fi, and more. All sorts of stuff. Prop Store is the big mac daddy of them all. And they're having an online entertainment memorabilia auction on now. It ends February 27th and 28th. All sorts of really cool stuff that you can go on and bid on from your favorite horror films. Yeah, and some really reasonable estimates there. Well, from Three from Hell, Rob Zombie's Three from Hell, Otis and Baby's Machetes are up for grabs. Sherry Moon Zombie's White Dress from Halloween 2 and all those dream sequences when she's walking the horse. Oh, yeah, that's really cool yeah deborah myers white dress is in there they got bridge concept art from the first alien movie estimate one thousand to two thousand dollars for that from bram stoker's dracula a movie that i can't believe i haven't seen until just recently i started watching it literally like a month ago i started watching that movie's insane it really is beautiful the film very like old style too with like painted backgrounds and all sorts of crazy techniques playing with shadows. Leo, are you down with the Bram Stoker's Dracula? Um, I'm down with half of it. Half of it? Like the, yeah, the half of it that's filled on, lo- on location, like the church in uh, mm-hmm. downtown LA. Like, places, like things like that. And then it gets to a certain point where it's just like, that's a soundstage and they just turn that around and that's the other side of the soundstage. It's kind of like watching Batman Returns or something, you know? Sure. The one with Mr. Mr. Freeze. It's like, it, it took me out a little bit because I'm like, I wish they would have done a certain effects differently. So I'm, I'm, I'm super critical about it, but 
I do enjoy the story. It's it's a movie I saw in theaters. I really enjoyed what's his name's performance. Um, Gary Oldman. Oh my god, yeah, Gary Oldman. Because uh, I'm watching him now on a, on, a, on a great TV show. If you're not watching it, uh, what does it call them? Slow Horses. It's on mm. Apple Plus. Haven't seen it. Oh, he's fantastic in that. Um, but yeah, it just reminds me what a great performance he gave, and and it's a it's it's just a great love story, you know, with with these characters and. and Keanu Reeves and you know yeah, everybody's um, in Winona Ryder everybody's in that yeah. thing everybody's yeah. in yeah I, I kind of I, I know what you're talking about I kind of like that unconventional campy weird right. vibe that the movie has and in, in terms of the mechanics it uses is very unique and I was I was really taken aback by it but also drawn in by it at the same time but I could also see how it could be off-putting to some people as well. Well, the miniature puppet of Winona Ryder's character and one of the decapitated heads of Dracula's Brides is available at this auction. Estimate 1000 oh, to wow. 2000 A uh, few nice. cheerleader and letterman's jackets from Chilling Adventures of Sabrina are on there. Those are cool. An original script from Edward Scissorhands, 300 to 600 bucks. Uh, one thing that I, I can't even believe is still around from Ghost Story in 1981. A test head of Alice Krieg's character, fifteen hundred to three thousand. Yeah, that thing oh, wow. is creepy looking. Yeah, it's amazing that it hasn't disintegrated. Yeah, Man, imagine being able to show her that she'd be like blown away. Oh my god! Yeah, Lauren, did you were looking uh, intently? Did you have something to mention from the auction? That no, you were- I mean, there's some great stuff from the movie Hatchet. There is an awesome crew jacket and photo. From Hocus Pocus. So many great things. How many lots? Over a thousand, which is crazy. And there's also stuff from It Chapter 2. Just lots of cool horror stuff. Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. And not super crazy estimates. Like there's stuff for like $100. And once you get in, I'm telling you, it's a slippery slope. Once you start down this path... (laughs) Once you know that you can bring home stuff from the, the horror movies that you love. Oh, it is a slippery slope. It sure is. But you could join us on the dark side. All right. Let's move on to shit that we've watched. Leo, what do you got this week? So I got the movie that I've been waiting all year to see so far. Oh. All year. It's only been two months. Outwaters? Is it the Outwaters? Yes. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm so curious as to your take on the Outwaters. Uh, very interesting. I enjoyed it for very personal reasons because I actually like the stomping grounds all the way from <laughs> I laugh because uh, there's a scene from Robbie and I'm pretty sure that's his actual apartment. Um, the director, Robbie Benfinch, that he shot shooting out the window is a shot of a blue window, I mean, a blue building. And you probably know which blue building I'm talking about right in Hollywood. Uh, Scientology community. Uh, oh, you know. so he, I think he made some jokes somewhere about you know, I look out the window. It's right there. And I'm like, oh, that's in the movie. That's pretty funny. So, yeah, I mean, the, the whole journey with these four friends, um, you know, going out to the desert uh, to shoot a, you know, a music video, you know, for one of the girls who, uh, you know, is a singer, songwriter. Uh, very cool concept. I, I like uh, that it's subdivided, you know, into three parts and you get a good setup in the beginning for like who these characters are. I mean, it's usually all that, all that B-roll stuff you see in found footage movies is very like... You question, like, did it really have to be there? Did that make any sense? What was the point of that, you know? But I guess you're trying to establish, right, characters and who's who and how are they friends and how do they know each other. And, mm-hmm. and that, that, you know, that made sense. I was like, okay, I enjoy that. And then the travels through what looked like um, 
the road, they took a ride through Angeles Crest over the hill through the highways that lead you to the Mojave Desert, uh, which was where the movie was filmed. Um, it it uh, those are all places I I know very very well. In fact, I've camped out in Mojave Desert for six days. What the hell? And, uh, what were you doing out there for six days? Just on a pleasure trip? No, funny story, and, and I don't think uh, people listening don't know the story. But after, uh, so no, um, as a scientist, you get asked uh, because I'm not an environmental biologist, you know, or you know, so you get asked to volunteer as an environmental biologist for 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 a week, and it's to participate in something called the California Transect Project. It's a volunteer thing where a bunch of scientists get together and they camp out in these places and they you're supposed to see map out what lives there like the terrain the species the soil chemistry like you know things like that right so the you're, you're, the breeze. you're actually purposely going out there to see what kind of weird lizards and all sorts of shit that could bite your ass everything <laughs> right God. yeah there's like, like 200 yeah there's 200 like venomous uh, species of, of rattlesnakes in, in mojave alone god and you yeah. got to go and, find and the, those things a bunch of scientists running around camping at night trying to find those things on purpose yeah oh so the and, so the funny story is and i don't know if lauren's gonna remember this when I went to White Mountain, California, which is 14,200 feet, that's high altitude. Never been that high in my life. And I got altitude sickness because we were up there for five oh, days. Oh, I think I remember. When I got back and then I, I had this long email from Lauren where she, you were like, I'm so worried about you because we've been calling you and that's there's right. no answer. <laughs> right. I was, I was, because I think I forgot to tell you, like, I, I told a lot of people where, where I was going, what I was doing, but I didn't tell you. Yeah. And, and it was so weird. I'm like, Holy shit, I better call her right away. <laughs> she thinks I'm dead. That was crazy. Um, yeah. And you so, were really same thing sick. up there. Yeah. See, same thing up there. The only difference is it was camping literally in the snow. Um, and believe it or not, I had the best sleep of my life and ever. I why? why? Not believe, dude, I could not believe that this flimsy tent that I had and this sub zero sleeping bag I had like actually kept me warm. Oh, that's good to hear. I never camped in my life. And the next thing you know, it's like, you're up at 14,200 feet and it's snowing. But yeah, that was, that was pretty funny when, when I got back and I was like, oh no, Lauren thinks I'm dead. Shit. <laughs> um, but yeah, the whole desert. Uh, so I'm familiar with the terrain. Uh, the desert is pretty, pretty, you know, pretty crazy because um, I, I wanted to do Death Valley, but I'm not ready for that because it's like, gets to be 127 30 degrees out there you know you're carrying you're carrying gallons of water and they say by the time you break a sweat it's too late like you've already dehydrated oh yeah anything called death valley i don't know yeah but yeah but the outwater the outwaters uh took place in mojave not that far away from death valley to be honest with you um but i did enjoy the terrain what they did the cinematography and then you know it just the doors get blown open and it's just complete fucking madness you know the movie just becomes pandemonium just you're just like what the hell's going on and you're not quite sure what you saw you're not quite sure what's going on but it's like a visual statement, assault you know? right it's like a total yes, assault yeah. on the senses yeah yeah and like you said yeah really like it's an audio auditory experiment you know experience and you you gotta listen and you gotta watch in the darkest of the darks and you gotta listen with the just the volume turned up and just get immersed and then just enjoy it you know and 
uh you know kudos to, kudos to uh robbie benfitch and, and the cast uh angela basolis and uh scott Shamel and michelle may i mean I, I thought they all did a fantastic job uh in, in their characters and you know portraying what they had to portray in the movie uh but yeah as a as a found footage man you know i always think you know i'm always like what else can be done what have we not seen like it doesn't have to be like high high intensity of cg graphics or anything or you know whatever it's like even if it's lo-fi even if it's like an audio experience right like you know like what can you show me how can you scare me and i thought the movie did a really good job of that you know like i was really creeped out by the end um so yeah i really enjoy it and it is now as of this moment tonight this time i release right now it is actually streaming on Screenbox. So if you did not catch it in the theaters, so you can catch it on Screenbox streaming. Very fun. I think that the found footage genre has always been fucking awesome. Yeah. I mean, so much cutting edge stuff, as Leo was saying, it, it changes and evolves. Because I feel like yep. there is a stigma about it and everybody doing it makes sure that they change it and evolve it so much that it never lives up to the stigma that it has. It's always amazing, I find. Like Blair Witch and Paranormal yeah. Activity and, and both those two movies, are com- the series are completely different. And then you have the spinoffs, like the, the interesting sequels and, and remakes that Blair Witch has had in that universe and the interesting things they've done with the Paranormal Activity series. Keep, keep that whole uh, genre very, very fresh. And then you saw what they did with Deadstream, which is completely yeah. blew the roof off of everything. Kind of like Evil Dead yeah. mashed in with all of it. And then, right. then you see the Outwaters and, and the interesting things that they did. Kind of this ambiguous assault on the senses that we we're talking about. Yeah. You know, using sound and darkness and crazy imagery. And by the, and by the way, have you, have you guys seen a movie called Jerry? It's a Gus Van Sant movie and it stars Matt Damon and Casey Affleck. And it's just, it's just them two. And it's based on a true story. And I mind you, it's, it's, it's not horror, but it's rated R. But I watched this when I had the flu one night. And it was like, the movie was, it was a complete fever dream. And Gus Van Sant, like, he doesn't care. He, he'll roll the camera and on a sunset shot for 45 minutes until the sun actually sets. You know, like, he doesn't, you know, he's like, let's go, you know. Um, but the movie is a true story. Again, two friends that go out to the desert and go for a stroll right they're just like messing around whatever you know and i think i think one of them broke his leg or something you know so the whole thing is they got lost and they died because it was just blistering hot you know spoiler alert when, when the when the two guys when the two real guys because this is the movie is the movie's different from the real story oh so it's based uh, on a real story yeah it's based on a real story but it's not exact so all right so if I'm you're listening now he didn't just completely spoil it for you no <laughs> it's not based on the real i mean it it's loosely based but it's inspired it's not. inspired okay inspired i guess okay. yeah i hate those words but the real story is that the guys the two real guys the two real friends were so dehydrated so like they lost their minds basically and they were just walking around in circles and the whole time they were right next to the highway where the car was Oh, that's crazy. That's creepy. And they literally, they literally died, like, right there. Like, when they found their bodies, they were like, what? And they, and they were able to trace, like, their, their their footprints or whatever, and they were just like, these guys, like, went mentally not crazy, and then just died. Wow. So, and they were the just, desert. like, just probably feet away from salvation the yeah. entire time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That is a crazy case. Yeah. And that's 
to me that creeps me out because the desert just has that same feeling that when you go deep enough it's like being 68 miles out in the ocean where you can no longer see land yeah you lose like, all all context yeah. of where you are yeah. you're yeah everything's thrown yeah. off as long as i'm on so a that's, cruise ship i don't that doesn't matter yeah <laughs> So that's why this movie, like, really, uh, you know, it struck a chord with me. And I'm like, okay, I really enjoy this. This is cool. But yeah, streaming on Screenbox. The Boo Crew will be right back. George and Kathy Lutz and their three children moved into a house in Amityville, Long Island. Nineteen days later, they were running for their lives. What happened to them became one of the best-selling books in years and is now a fascinating motion picture. An experience in terror to make you believe in the unbelievable, the Amityville Horror. Read the pan paperback, the Amityville Horror, in the West End and all over London now. Certificate X. caught up with the, the last of us hbo episode five no you know that's one thing i wanted to talk about too because we realized and some of you listening let us know too the last episode where we talked about last of us we did not mention the fact of its uh, very successful multi-award winning history as a video game series yes yeah yeah, put out back in 2013, started back in 2013 by Sony. And apparently episode five actually features the show's best video game Easter eggs yet. Yes, it does. And I'm, I'm not aware because I'm not a gamer. And that's mm-hmm. why I, I don't bring up the gaming act aspect of it because I'm only talking about the show from the sh- just being a show. You know, right. like I don't want to compare the two because I, I couldn't tell you what a gaming system looks like you know oh just come but, over here and we'll show you yeah <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's all that happens here not us our kids yeah, yeah. but yeah but us as well you, we're not huge gamers as well so yeah we we approach it yeah. as just a as a tv show yeah but i'll definitely tell you the episode five man that's another wow you're just gonna you're just gonna be like breathless you're gonna be like what just happened but I mean, just when you just when you think you can figure out what's going on like it just goes it, it takes a left turn and you're like this is pretty awesome so, uh, so you, are you fully, fully sucked in? You're fully sucked into this series now? I am. And I, I know I mentioned, hey, there's a character I don't like. And, you know, okay, that kind of has changed. And there's a reason for that. But that depends on how the rest of the season's going to, you know, unfold still. But I'm not surprised that this is such a good show because I, I, I think it's the same guys who made the Chernobyl show in HBO, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, the one you were talking about last week. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's that's a fantastic show. Like, like, if you really want to be creeped out by like the actual historical events of what happened in in, in the Ukraine in eighty eighty five, whatever it was eighty six, uh, insane, insane. So the fact that these guys are involved, I'm not surprised it's a hit show. Like, I'm not surprised it's three hundred million views, you know, viewers or whatever. You know, it's like good cast. I mean, I like I like what they're doing with it. It's, it's not formulaic. Like I thought, okay, it's gonna do this, and it's like, nope. So yeah, you guys got to get caught up. Episode five is pretty crazy well we'll tell you what we've been doing instead of watching last of us we, we need to catch up but we haven't had an opportunity to do yet because well hey we even <laughs> didn't even have an opportunity to record this week until now because of the birthday so that's the one thing we've been doing i can also tell you two movies that we mean to watch and haven't seen yet i can't believe i can't even believe we haven't seen these two remember we're looking up these today bone tomahawk desert centric western 
horror films. Bone Tomahawk. Right. We've not seen Bone Tomahawk. And I'm looking at this at this cast listing. Kurt Russell, Patrick Wilson, Richard Jenkins, David Arquette. How the hell have we not seen Bone Tomahawk? I don't know. Leo, have you seen it? Yeah, yeah, I definitely, I've seen it, uh, oh my God, I don't know, like six years ago or five years ago or something. Did you enjoy it? Because we're going to go, we're going to watch it. We'll we'll talk about it. Hopefully we'll watch it in this next week and report back. That's one. And then another one, only Ty West movie we have never seen in a Valley of Violence. Ethan Hawke, John Travolta, Thaisa Farmiga, Karen Gillan. What the hell? What have we been doing? Uh, having kids. Yeah, but still. Yeah. That's got to be on our watch list. And if it you're is. listening, you if you listening have not heard of this, and you probably have because you're way more plugged in than we are, evidently. Yeah. Maybe you have more time. We're though. idiots. Yeah, we're idiots. And we're going to watch that as well and uh, report back. So that's the thing, stuff we haven't watched. Wow, what a horror podcast this is. I will say, Solid though, movies, though. Solid movies. I will say that one thing that we did manage to catch, or I managed to catch anyway, before we go into what we did watch a hell of a lot of was Eli Roth this past Halloween did this incredible VR short film called trick VR treat, which is a 180 degree horror film starring Vanessa Hudgens that you experience in full immersion on a meta quest. It was fantastic. And he is back again with something that he's written in time for it was put out in time for Valentine's Day. You could watch it on Meta TV now or uh, Horizons World if you have a, a Meta Quest. Be mine. So he wrote it and he gave the directing duties to a guy named Adam McDonald up in Toronto. They filmed this thing in uh, some beautiful historic house that's supposed to be a sorority house. Stained glass windows, wood paneling, all the shit I am crazy about. And you put that VR headset on and he puts you in the middle of a slasher film. It's about 30 minutes long. It stars Peyton List, Inanna Sarkis from Simon Barrett's Seance. Oh, yeah. She stars in it. And they're this sorority. And Peyton List is kind of being stalked by this killer Cupid. So they throw this big party at this frat house to kind of lure the the killer Cupid that's been stalking her. And oh my God, the things that they've decided to do and the advancements that they made and the tricks that they've learned to stick you in the middle of the action with VR. They've had they have people on Segway scooters holding cameras to take you inside the party. You feel like you were there with them at the party and the kills are happening all around you. Blood spraying on you. It's so fucking cool. And it just makes me really excited. Like the, when you watch like most of the stuff in meta quest and VR is that kind of animated stuff. I forget what they call the engine real. And yeah, Oh, the Unreal? Unreal, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it looks great, and it's the animation's getting close to, I mean, just, it it looks like amazing video game footage that's that's now available, right? But the actual film footage is getting higher resolution. They're figuring out how to get it higher resolution. I don't know the, the technology behind it or the mechanics behind it, but filmed content is looking better and better and better, and Be Mine looks insane. I think it's the best that I've seen 
so far. Well, that and Trick VR Treat. Both you have to check out. It puts you inside these movies. And it, again, makes me so excited for the future of VR horror films. So check That's that out. Really cool. The other thing we've been seeing, Lauren, it's finally back. You. You. Season four. Penn Badgley's Joe Goldberg returns. One of the best shows on TV. Definitely. The writing. Oh, my God. Chef's Kiss. Episodes one through five of season four out now on Netflix. The second part. Man, they've, they've held back the second part, which is God, it's killing me. Held back the second part premieres March 9th featuring an episode directed. Episode nine is directed by Penn Badgley. Wow. Directorial debut. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So far, season one up till now has taken to New York, to L.A., the suburbs of California, and now in London, where he has taken on the persona of a professor at a beautiful college. And he has a beautiful flat. He does. Again, wood paneling. It's gorgeous. I want to live there. It, it's so good. Well, you can actually visit where his apartment is the street okay so the inside is a set yeah you can see the window and like where he apparently lives but the inside is a set and i believe some of it is done with ai i thought that was very interesting and uh, the rest of it is all shot on location out in london and uh, Paris. Yeah, I was gonna say, do they do they mention the neighborhood? Like, is it some trendy like so or something? Or yeah, they do mention it. Yeah. Is it South Kensington or something like that? Is that yeah? Does that sound familiar? I think so. It's something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is incredible, and it's it's hard to kind of describe, like to explain the trajectory of the show if you haven't gotten into it. You know, if you, if you're brand new to you, definitely go back, and and it's a very easy show to watch. It's yeah, the, the it's episodes really are easy to follow. Yeah. It's not super complicated. There's not a ton of characters or you know, backstory or lore yeah. to really learn. Basically, it's a guy. I mean, can I describe the plot a little bit? That doesn't really spoil anything, does it? No. Like just the general plot of you. It's a guy who kind of like haphazardly like stumbles into uh, being a serial killer, basically, right? Stumbles? Stumbles. And that's the trick that this thing pulls on you. That's the genius in the writing. It is written through... uh, Penn Badgley kind of narrates everything that's going on. So he's telling you a story. So first of all, so he's playing this character, Joe, and he's also narrating what he's doing. So you really has that feeling of you're being told a story, which is very lulling and it brings you in instantly in that sense. Then there's a really immersive quality in that because you're getting that perspective from him narrating and how, how it syncs up is brilliant. I don't know how they do the narration timed with the acting, but it hits certain beats that are just sunk together so beautifully that you'd swear someone was filming when they were doing it on camera, you know, or just slightly off camera, like reading, in the rhythm that he's supposed to eventually read. That's how it feels. It's it's impeccable. But he gets in trouble, you get in trouble. And when he starts doing things that are questionable, for instance, hurting someone or murdering someone, you fall into this amazing psychological trick of fully and completely empathizing with him. It's 
dirty. It, making you b- completely believe that his victims totally deserve, deserve what they it. get. Yeah. Right. You you, you kind of wrestle with the logic yourself a little bit yeah. for the most part. And it's an extraordinary experience. I don't know what else to say. I, I don't know of any show that's messed with my mind and brought me into it as much as this show does. And and doing it not over like an hour and a half or anything like that. It's done in a very compact way. Like the episodes are anywhere from like 45 minutes to an hour. They seem to go by really fast. They seem to go by so fast. Written by Sarah Gamble's a showrunner, co-creator Greg Berlanti, and it's based on a book series put together by Carolyn Kepnes. So you season one, heavily inspired by her first book, season two, based on the second book in the series called Hidden Bodies. Season three, however, of the show was produced before the third book was even published. So season three is when this series, the TV series, kind of starts going off on its own. And such is the case for season four. There is actually a fourth book coming out this year to continue her trajectory of Joe. It's called For You and You Only. That's a tentative title. And I think that's a fantastic way to further explore adventures with this character that have now split off. They can follow completely independently of each other, which is really interesting. There is something that you noted You noted to me is that in this season, we're seeing a lot less intimate scenes with Joe. And there's a reason behind that. Yeah. So uh, I had read that Penn Badgley had requested that when he signed on, when he got married, that he wouldn't do any more intimate scenes out of respect for his wife. Which I thought, what a sweet guy. That is really, is it chivalrous? What is that? Is it uh, honorable? Yeah. Respectful. Respectful. I mean, just acting, right? Yeah, but. He should, he should, he should I mean, they should no, just shoot. He's, you know, he's, yeah, he's actually people. really banging people and killing people. I know. I, I've seen the show. I know. I know. But they should just put like, like something that's not his wife. Like, like a, like a, like a, a guy or, or some puppet or some, you know what I'm saying? Like something, something so silly. That it makes for good, like, behind-the-scenes talk, you know? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, yeah, he's probably like, yeah, it must be weird. I've always thought yeah, about that, right? With you know, actors and their husbands or wives or significant others, whoever. Yeah, it must make, make someone feel uncomfortable to watch their partner. Make even, out with Yeah, someone. even make out with someone. Because they are, you know, it's acting, but, you know, still kissing. You know what I mean? That would mess with me a bit, for sure. Yeah. So I get, I get it, you know, I get yeah. it. That's, I think that's, that's really cool. And apparently the show, uh, the showrunner, Sarah Gamble is like totally cool with it. It's that's like, great. wow, like that's actually really cool. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he is. Penn Badgley dies next episode. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Penn Badgley lives forever. Joe Goldberg yeah. forever. We need more of these, these series. Do it's, we, do we know? Cause, cause I don't, I don't remember episode, uh, seasons one or two or three, all that. Like vividly, but do we know what he's actually like diagnosed with? Is he like, is he like a sociopath? Like, is there a diagnosis for this guy? Because it's like there's no like official diagnosis. Like, it goes to there's something, right? He, he ends up going to therapy in one of the in one of the episodes, um, where you know it's one of those things where you're kind of talking about a, a friend. Uh, oh, my friend, uh, right. this. So he gets there's a little bit of internal exposure of his past through those episodes and you kind of learn where he's coming from so you do yeah. you do you definitely like this show 
really lets you in. It's very rewarding. Right. It's not one of those shows that keeps you kind of, what the hell's going on? No, you know exactly what's going on at every yeah. moment. And again, you feel like you are part of the show. At least I, I do. Lauren, yeah. you do too. Like you yeah. feel really connected to these characters and God, the acting. Oh Yeah. Penn and everybody they bring. Jenna Ortega's been on this show. Elizabeth Lale's been on this show. Um, Pretty Little Liars. Oh, Shay Mitchell. Shay Mitchell. Fantastic on the show. Yeah, she was so good. Yeah. My favorite season is the first season. Is that yeah. just from yes. nostalgia purposes or you just... I would say I really love Elizabeth Lale. Mm-hmm. I think she's a great actor and I really love Shay Mitchell. And it was my first exposure to the show and it just took me by surprise how good it was Mm -hmm. and the crazy things that happened. I'm like, how are they doing this? Like, what is going on? Not only that, but all the, remember all the good suspense scenes? Like when he's like, yo, he's going to get caught. He's going to get caught. And then it's like, kitty escapes or disappears or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Like there was a lot of that, like good stuff in the first season, which I really enjoyed. Another actor who was in, uh, started to be in season three, Victoria Pedretti. That's right. Yes, love. Yeah, nonstop, nonstop uh, amazing performances in this show. I urge you to explore it if you haven't already. And uh, if you're not interested, man, are you ever bored right now? Penn Badgley, if you're still interested at this point, you probably are. He's got his own podcast called Pod Crushed that you should check out. And he sings in an amazing band called Mother. And he holed up in an Airbnb in L.A. and they recorded one song a day, released their debut album, Centerfold, back in 2016. There's a bunch of videos, live performances that you can watch. And it's it's great. It's really great, like alternative That's music. Awesome. Did K-Rock ever play it? K-Rock never did play it as far as I know. Maybe ended up maybe on the Locals Only yeah, show or something. Maybe, yeah. yeah, maybe maybe that ended up cutting through. But K-Rock could definitely play It's It's... On par with everything that's going on. All right. Now. Next meeting, you get Mother. it added. Get it added. Yeah, I was going to ask you guys about one thing, though. Yeah. I saw somebody post a poster or a concept art. I don't know if it's real or not, but it was for Constantine 2. Is that real? I recently read a story about Constantine 2 coming into fruition. I mean, that's something that everybody involved has said over and over again that they wanted to that they wanted to do. As of like a day ago, the Constantine 2 writer, Akiva Goldsman, has already been discussing how the sequel will play out. Nice. Mm. It says it's happening. With Keanu. That'd be awesome. That's such a great movie. Shia LaBeouf in there too. Gavin Rossdale rolling the coins on his knuckles. (sighs) Well, uh, that said, anything else, guys, or is that it? That's it. Production tracks provided by the great Power Man 5000. My name is Trevor. We got Lauren here and Leo. And it's the Boo Crew saying... Sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at TalesFromTheBoo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation. Part of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Bye.
the bloody disgusting podcast network home of the boo crew horror-centric interviews scp archives weekly full cast storytelling horror queers genre commentary from an lgtbq perspective and creepy for disturbing and terrifying creepy pastas listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts